get yourself a nice Airbnb on an island, put a spiral sliced ham in the fridge, and then just look down from on high on all the poor people who can never ever own a home. Coming up on the Anti-Woke Podcast. So I have a Twitter friend who lives somewhere in Southern California, and she talks about how hard it is to buy a house. I think like her and her partner would like to buy a house, but it ain't easy because it's so expensive. And she also will talk about how you know, not only is it hard to buy a house, but it's hard to rent a house or you know apartment or whatever. And she was saying that, like a lot of places, the you know they're just I don't know what ten years ago, one year ago, that you would rent. Um, now they're only they're Airbnb only. And if you don't know Airbnb, it's like you go on the internet and you can rent a place. You know, it's like you know you can make your house into a hotel or a motel and just rent it by the day, I guess, and do it on the internet. But in any case, we had a conversation on Twitter, and I asked her if I could read what she was saying to make a podcast out of it. And uh, here's a cheap, easy, dirty way to make a podcast, so I'm going to go through our conversation, mostly just what she said, because it's pretty interesting. So reading a Twitter conversation is kind of a nightmare. Like, first off, it's in reverse order, then it's mixed in with a bunch of stuff that isn't what you want to talk about. I mean, basically... Wah, wah, I'm a little baby. Come save me from trying to read a Twitter thing. But so, in any case, I can't find the, I can't find the thing that actually started it all. But she said something about, oh, all the houses in my town are Airbnb instead of uh, normal apartments or normal houses for rent. And so then I said this, quote, Why do people rent Airbnb instead normal? It pays more? Are people doing long-term Airbnb? You can get more for a weekend than a week, or the two million in New York City apartments are occupied, except for 50,000 each month, and then New York has 60,000 Airbnbs. Oh uh, yeah, basically. It's too bad I don't have the thing before that. It would make a hell of a lot more sense. There was some article that said that um, New, York Time, New York Times has more Airbnbs than they have um, rentals, unoccupied rentals. I think it was there's 60,000 Airbnbs and 50,000 unoccupied rentals. So it's a real biatch to try and get a rental in New York. I mean, I believe it. All right, but hopefully stuff starts making more sense now. So, okay, so she replied to me. And I don't know anything about this woman in real life, but in my mind, she's about a 40-year-old blonde white woman. Possibly owns a few bunch of cats, or maybe one dog. Drives a pickup, or maybe a small Hyundai. Favorite restaurant is McDonald's, or maybe she's addicted to sushi. I mean, I don't know. Her name is Sasha, so that sounds Eastern European. So that's, uh, I think we'll leave it at that. Eastern European hottie, probably. So anyways, in New York, I think in a lot of other big cities... You can't get a rental, but you can get an Airbnb. And so I was like, why? 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 So Sasha replied, you know, why is Airbnb popular? She replied, yes, it pays more and you don't have to deal with long-term tenants who have rights and could take time to evict if they don't, if they stop paying rent. Unfortunately, the more rights tenants have and the harder it is to evict people, the more attractive Airbnb gets. 
And so, you know, Twitter only lets you do like one paragraph at a time. So anyways, that was the first paragraph. Now I'm just going to start blowing through the rest of the paragraphs. She says, another advantage is flexibility. If the owner or their family slash friends want the option of staying at the property, that's possible if it's an Airbnb, but not if it's a long-term rental. All right, now this is interesting, right? She's from Southern California. She, uh, next one is getting a little personal. She says, the little one-bedroom house we used to rent is now an Airbnb and costs more for a week than we paid for a month. But first, the owner had to make significant investments into updating the home since it had ugly linoleum flooring in the kitchen and living room and an even uglier ceiling. She continues, And the bathroom and kitchen counters and cabinets, as well as the appliances, were like from the 60s or 70s or maybe even earlier, and not in a retro chic way. Also, we were paying for trash pickup, internet, and all utilities, and now the owner has to cover all that. And she continues, And it's not like most vacation rentals are going to be booked solid for the whole month, especially given how many there are now. That said, even if it's only booked for half the month, he probably still comes out ahead financially once the renovations have been paid off. And then I think I said something, but it's, it gets lost in this Twitter thing. So I said something, and then she replied, I said that, but where we're at, it, where we are at, it's definitely also about the money, and it's destroying the entire community. Few long-term rentals left, and home prices have skyrocketed to the point where few people who work here can even afford a very small home. Wasn't like that before Airbnb. Yeah, so basically at this point, I'm saying stuff to her, and she's saying stuff back to me, but because of Twitter, I can't see what I'm saying. So I said something else, and she replied, Yeah, sure. What's really crazy is the owner bought the house, a 900-square-foot, one-plus-one single-family home, no garage, at the height of the housing bubble about two years before the crash for $150,000. When the housing market crashed, the, ha the value went down to $45,000. You know what it's worth now? $540,000. She continues, That's the housing market in our area, and it's driven primarily by people and corporations buying homes to turn them into Airbnbs. Then she said, I read somewhere they continued, continued to punch and kick him after he hit the ground, which is definitely not justified. But that's actually related to some sort of, uh, whatever. That's not part of this housing <laughs> thing. Me and her, uh, we also talk, we also sometimes look at videos of, like, criminals just attacking people for no reason other than the mean white. So anyways, back to the housing stuff. She says, I said something, and she goes, yep, and it's happening all over. When we had to vacate that house two and a half years ago, we moved to a neighboring, mostly working-class town, which was more affordable. A few months after we moved there, the house next door was sold for $170,000. A year later, the new owner sold it for $285,000. Yeah, so basically, California is hot. Southern California, you get far, you know, whatever, suburbs, exurbs, rural, hot as hell, hot market. She continues... That's an almost 70% increase in one year. And unlike our previous landlord, they didn't even put any work into it. This is why neither Democrats nor Republicans have any interest in making housing more affordable. Too many people are benefiting from the insane home prices. And I think that's probably correct. Uh, she continues. 
I said something. She replies, L.A. is even worse. There is nothing affordable within one and a half hours of L.A. All the surrounding suburbs are pricey now. Home ownership is completely unaffordable. Immigration and poor immigrants willing to live 10 to 15 people to a one bedroom is what keeps it all going. And I've talked about that before. I mean, there's various reasons why housing is getting so freaking expensive, but one of them is immigration. You don't build a bunch of houses, and then you bring in a bunch of people from wherever, possibly outside the country, uh, you know, supply and demand, housing goes up. Alright, so that's basically the end of it. Um, so to try and summarize, like first off, I don't really know anything about how Airbnb is making it impossible to rent or buy a house. I mean, I'm not saying that's not true. I'm just saying I don't know nothing about it. Everything I know about it is from this uh, woman who lives in California. And I think I believe her. I think mostly. I think she's probably about 87% correct. I guess basically, you dear listener, just... There's the information. You can take it into your brain or throw it in the trash and do whatever you want with it. I guess I'll say the, the one thing that I know about Airbnb that I sometimes mention is that people accuse Airbnb of being racist because people don't want to rent to black people. But then when they check, you know, the race of the, the owner, it turns out black people want to, le- want to rent to other black people even less than white people. And basically it's related to... Whatever it is that an Airbnb renter can do that you don't like, uh, apparently black people do it more. You know, I mean, I, I don't know if you can not pay or trash the place or whatever. And maybe it's all unjustified. It's just systemic institutions of rental racism. But well, anyways, we'll call that good. I don't know. I guess, I got, oh, you know what? Let me tell you the story about the one time I did an Airbnb. It was freaking awesome. There's this island. It's called Amelia Island. It's on the north end of Florida. It's right where Florida hits, uh, I think, South Carolina. And it's not as famous as Miami or Orlando or whatever. But anyways, it's uh, it just ha- it has an even better climate than the rest of Florida. Whatever. It's for rich people. And I just happen to... I ain't rich. I'm poor. But anyways, I happen to go there with some rich people. Because I had a relative who was dying of cancer. And... I think the initial idea was to get hotel rooms, and you just we get like so, you know maybe I don't know what it was a bunch of it was a whole it was a bunch of family members. We we're gonna get like four hotel rooms in a row, and then whatever that was gonna be this kind of going away party for the person dying of cancer. But instead, they went on Airbnb and got a house on Amelia Island, and it was the freaking nicest house you ever. It, it, it's just it was just the best place I've ever I've ever stayed. You had a house, you had a kitchen, you had a big TV, you had a swimming pool, you had a golf course. We used to, we used to like drink, drink beer and just like watch the golfers and like bet on whether or not the golfer would get it in or not. And there's like these giant turtles and other weird animals, just weird animals all over the place. And I can't remember, I mean, this is years ago, it must be more now, but I think, uh, it was like 2000, it was somewhere in like the 2000 to $5,000 a day. And I think, ironically, like that was a hell of a lot cheaper than the hotel. It was way better, way nicer, so freaking sweet. The place had an elevator. Like that, that was one of the criteria. It's like my relative is dying of cancer. She can't be like going up and down steps. The place had an elevator. I mean, it was awesome. And, you know, mostly what we did is we just 
puzzles. I don't, I don't know about, not me, whatever. My family is crazy about puzzles. You get out the jigsaw puzzles, and it's just like, people are like going in and out of the kitchen, grabbing a snack, grabbing a drink, and then they're going and putting a half hour in on the puzzle. And then they're doing something else, and then they're putting another half hour in on a puzzle. So, all right. Anyways, I think we'll leave this podcast at that. Well, and I'll add one other thing, is that one of my relatives, he was smart, and he bought a spiral sliced ham. Like, there was lots of arguing, like, hey, on Saturday night, do you want to go out to eat, or do you want to make this, and blah, blah, blah. But long story short, you get a spiral sliced ham, you put that in the fridge, all of a sudden, everyone's happy. You just, you want something? You go open the fridge, you grab a piece of ham. Twitter handle, at Anti-Woke Podcast, and thanks for listening.